0: Are you ready to get the support you need for your author career and life? Join international indie bestseller, Angela J. Ford, and fantasy author, Stephanie Wabwa, as they talk all things writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Living your best indie life starts here.
1: Stephanie, how are you doing this week? We've had another wonderful week and we are back with episode seven now. What's new? What's going on?
0: Hey, Angela, nothing much. Just deep into NaNo, just trying to plow through these words. Um, For the majority of writers, the goal is 50K. My goal is really to reach 100K. Um, Not because I'm trying to overextend myself, but just because of the length of the novel and my hope is to finish writing it by December 31st, that is the goal, and so I am doing my best to just write as much as I can, especially with the fiery, urgent, um, you know, spirit of NaNoWriMo, just to get as much words as I can, sprint my way through, and then hopefully we'll see, you know, if I do, if I'm able to meet my goal of finishing this first draft by the end of the year. What about you? What do you got going on?
1: Awesome. Well, I think it's definitely doable, especially since you have plotted out your entire story. So December 31st sounds like a reasonable deadline for me, at least. Uh, I am just taking it easy, just enjoying the spirit of writing and really having fun with my Dark Fae book. It's so much fun. (laughs) I just get new ideas all the time. So it's kind of fun to just write them in and just enjoy it. But yeah, so today we have a special guest, um, Aaron Hodges. He's actually from New Zealand. And I think it'd be really cool to chat with him because he travels around the world and he writes, which is something unique and different. I mean, I know some people do it, but I think it'd be really fun to kind of have like a day in the life of an indie author who writes and travels. And it'll be fun to chat with him a little bit about his process.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's super cool just because um, not many indies do have that flexibility with their life to be able to just explore the world and then take everything that they've experienced and then just like fuse all of that into their stories. He's a a pretty prolific writer as well. So I think that's going to be just pretty awesome. So I'm really excited for our conversation with Aaron.
1: Awesome. Let's head over to the interview. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show, and today we have a special guest. Aaron Hodges was born in 1989 in the small town of Wakatane, New Zealand. He studied for five years at the University of Auckland, completing a Bachelor's of Science in Biology and Geography, and a Master's of Environmental Engineering. After working as an environmental consultant for two years, he grew tired of office work and decided to quit his job and see the world. Two years later, his travels have taken him through Southeast Asia, Canada, the USA, Mexico, Central America, and South America. Today, his adventures continue. So Aaron, we are so thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of why you decided to be an indie author.
2: Oh, thanks for having me here, here today. Yeah, I should update that, actually. I didn't realize it's like two years, and it's more like five years now. <laughs> I've also been to Europe and India now, adding to the list. <laughs> uh, but no, I decided to be an author because it was something I'd always wanted to do. I, Back in high school, I kind of wrote a novel, well, the start of a novel, and then re- finished it off after high school in what we call a gap year. In New Zealand, I don't know if you guys have those have so much in America and things, but so I was in Australia for a year and didn't have just had a part time job, so I had a bit of time to work on it and then didn't do anything with it for five years while I studied at university. Rewrote it at some point towards the end of my studies and then worked in a job that ended up being more office work than anything. So then I, in the end, I just decided to quit. And, go see some of the world if that was going to be what I was going to do I might as well see some of the world first and then one day I just picked up that old book and thought oh this isn't too bad I need some more work and I did some more work on it while I was traveling around and then finally published it almost four years ago now and it did pretty well so I was, oh, I'll keep doing this
1: <laughs> wow that's awesome uh, what was the first what was the name of that book
2: uh, that was Stormwielder, the first book I wrote. It was like, uh, it's an epic fantasy as well. Still kept mostly to that genre, but it was this book about a boy that had magic he couldn't control in to sort of medieval world that I created.
0: Hmm.
1: This sounds really cool. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And how many books have you written to date now?
2: I've uh, just today actually published my twelfth book, so the my finished up my fourth series
0: congratulations and (laughs) i just have a question so you know you said you started touring you know started exploring the world and then you kind of just decided to hop in this book right so what made you publish it by yourself like instead of saying let me just query some agents let me go the traditional route and get this in a publishing house what made you say you know i'll just do it myself
2: uh, well, I'd kind of done that a little bit, I guess, over the years. I think during university, I'd submitted to the. And I know, What was the Amazon Break? The Amazon Breakthrough Novel Awards. I'd submitted to that a couple of times, and I think it, when I was younger, I had sent it into a couple of of publishers and things, and never got anywhere with it. And it was more of just even just the fact I put it on as an ebook was almost like afterthought because I set it up on Create Space. And then it said, like, do you want to set it up as an ebook? And I was like, Oh, I didn't think about that. I was anything thinking about paperbacks. Because <laughs> of course, like New Zealand, we're a little bit behind here and we don't have that much. It didn't especially not five years ago, it didn't have that much influence with Kindle and things. It's getting bigger now, but so so yeah, I ended up going over to KDP and checking out the terms and conditions there. I was, oh, might as well give it a go. Like I just didn't really think I could get anywhere with the traditional route because i would never gotten anywhere in the past I guess
0: Nice and even though the indie route of course is for you would you maybe suggest the trad do you think that you would ever be in a place where you would suggest the trad route for someone else or you would highly just encourage strictly the indie route for you know up and coming authors
2: uh, I guess these days it's a bit of a misnomer it depends like Definitely depending on the genre. I think there's certain genres that are definitely more, have more opportunity, the traditional rap, like more literature novels and things, certainly I'd be looking at a traditional publisher. The fantasy, I think at the moment, the, the indie, in, indie market is becoming quite saturated a lot with a lot of different authors and it has become a lot more difficult to be making income now, especially if you're a new author with no books, no back catalogue that can help support you each time you release, sort of thing. So I know a few newer authors that are struggled to break into the market, but at the same time, I'm not sure much has changed in traditional publishing. In fact, it may have been worse with the fact that you have I have heard of traditional authors having to spend money on their own marketing when they're making 10, 20% royalties. I mean, I don't know how they could possibly make a profit doing that. So it's, I yeah. think if you've got a really good book, like I think uh, someone like Calcade, he published the Indie Route and then got so many, his books did so well that a publisher actually picked him up, I think in the end, and he's a traditionally published author now.
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. And so I'm just wondering, as someone who is this world traveler? Do you ever find that through your travels that kind of influences um, your stories and how you write, what you write, like what you put in them?
2: Yeah, I think for starters, a lot of my descriptions, I, I took complete cheat and just described things that I've visited in real life <laughs> and places I've visited in real life. I know, I went, I spent six months in Europe last year and that helped a lot with some of my cities and using the history of different cities in Europe to. Influence the cities of my books, and also just the amount of experiences. I mean, I've been living in Buenos Aires for six months. I haven't, had, haven't been going out and having quite as many adventures this, this year, but I mean, in the past, the different people you meet, the different places you visit, the different activities you do, have certainly added to my books at least. And whatever is happening in my life at the time even, I feel find tends to influence my writing and the direction my characters take.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And as someone who would like to travel the world, um, what kind of? how did you get started? Because I know a lot of people have concerns where they're thinking, okay, I have, where's my revenue going to come from? I need to make money while I travel. How do you kind of handle that or, or balance that? Or is that not even really a concern?
2: I um, mean, I sort of cheated in the start because I'd had my job for two years and saved money. So, and I went to Southeast Asia, which was literally so cheap, you can survive there on, uh, in hostels and living a pretty good life, but eating out every day, getting a massage a couple of times a week on like a thousand dollars a month. So if you've got a bit of money saved, Southeast Asia is definitely the place to start if you want. And then I sort of branch out. I lived in Canada for a while. I stayed with my great uncle worked at a hotel Bit and things so it sort of. I know a lot of people now teach English online. Even so, there's a lot of different ways to bring an in income once you need to. But I think it, at the start, it's just great to be able to have that freedom when you first quit your job and go. Like when I first quit my job and went to travel to Southeast Asia, it was like amazing. It was like, first time in my life, I didn't have a school to go back to, a job to go back to, or anything in my life that required me that I had to be worrying about after this trip was done so that was quite a freeing experience and I could find my own way and decide what I really wanted to do
1: yeah that that's amazing yeah, I to be writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's even more perfect no that's incredible and really smart about how you saved and had that savings and went to a place where it wasn't going to take all of your savings but I've heard a lot of Good things about uh, Southeast Asia, so that, that's incredible. And then with the writing, do you use? Um, do you have multiple sources of, of income, or is like the writing the main thing, or does it really just kind of depend on where you're going and where you're traveling to?
2: For the most part, is my writing. I've I've got a few little investments back home with family and things, but no, most of my money comes from writing. Still these days, so it's been since the very since that very first book, and it's gone up and down, but I've, I've still got savings to fall back on when the income is less, but in general, it's been enough to keep me going and even save more money over the last four years. Especially since I like living in Buenos Aires is a lot cheaper than living in New Zealand, if I'm honest.
0: <laughs> That's super awesome. And you told us in the beginning that you have now published up to 12 books. And so at what point, um, how many books had you published when you realized, oh, I'm making enough from my novels to sustain my life and I can just do this full time?
2: I was very lucky, it was my first book in the first month. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it dropped off after the first two months, but I still have the very first book that I could do well with this. And so that my first series is, I still have managed to publish a book that did as well as my first book in actual fact, in that first month, which is a little bit depressing.
0: (laughs) And you say you got lucky, but do you maybe remember, you know, some of the things that you did that led to that success of that first novel?
2: Very little. I I really don't know why it took off. I had a cover that was pretty raw. It was literally a big blue eye. I don't know if you guys were around at the time, but it big this big blue eye. However, I did myself. I did my own editing and proofreading, so there's plenty of mistakes in there. And I ran some Facebook ads targeting Christopher Paolini, which I, to date I still have no idea what they did either. And I did a little free run for three days that I didn't promote anywhere after my Facebook. So really, <laughs> maybe the Facebook ads, but I yeah, I don't know.
1: That, that's really cool, though, because a lot of authors, I feel like they published their first book and then they kind of get depressed when it doesn't go the way they want it to. So that's really cool. I know there are different unique stories where people have really hit it off. Um, so with marketing your first book, is that something that you still do right now? And I know that I actually have a copy of that on my phone. I think maybe because you did a free run at some point or it was 99 cents, but um, I started reading it and I'm really enjoying it uh, just because it's, it's different from anything I've read before and it's really exciting. Um, and it just kind of keeps going, like really good flow. So it seems like you, you did a lot to make sure that it was a, a good story, um, even if you did do your own proofreading and editing and all that. Um, but do you think it has something to do with the, the genre you published in and then do you continue to market that um, even though it's been out for a while?
2: Yeah, I think it was at the time the epic fantasy genre had very few indie books in it. I think that was probably something that helped a lot because it was there's very much a lot of epic fantasy readers out there, but they're used to getting their books for traditional prices. So I think that was a very big bone that they could that there was there was this this book that was cheaper. And I, I push the box set for it a, a bit still, and I actually still find that sells in paperback quite a bit, especially when coming up to Christmas time and things. And because all my series, all my fantasy series at least are connected, I still find people read back and well, if I push the new books, my new books, I get back readers, got new readers going back to the older series and things. Just kind of the idea. Hasn't been quite as good this year. This with this new latest series is my last one, but still, still, still helps a little bit. Yeah, that's and, uh, really awesome. I did actually just do a free round on Storm at the, month, at the start of this month. It started last month, I think, just to try and get it running again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's awesome. Do you have a process for um, kind of? I guess balancing your travels with uh, the marketing that you do and then the writing, has it, I know it can, it can feel like a lot of moving pieces sometimes you have the writing part and then you have the marketing and then kind of the production and the publishing. Uh, Do you have, is there like a specific process you have for that?
2: Yeah, I guess when I'm really knuckling down on a book, there's, it's, I tend to just uh, do my, have to fit it it depends if I'm traveling or not like at the moment for instance I'm living here so it's, I'm living generally I, I go to my Spanish classes in the morning I go and then I go to a cafe and I sit there for three hours or so and I Have my usual coffee and eggs you know, now and then <laughs> and then I go home and have lunch and maybe do a bit of marketing work before I'm going out meeting out with friends and things so more like a normal life while I'm traveling it's a lot got to be a lot more <laughs> free flowing, kind of thing, depending on how, how close the deadline is and stuff. I might stop in a place and really just go to a cafe every day and just get down the woods in here, or I might spend three weeks just not thinking about my writing at all, depending on what I'm doing.
0: And when it comes to actually starting a new book, right? So I would presume that you've already begun, you know, Project 13. We'll just call it that for now. Um, When it comes to actually doing that and whether you're, you know, locate, you know, you're permanent somewhere for a while or you're traveling, how do you go about starting that? I know for some, um, for some, the hardest part can be just starting, you know, like just getting your ideas and getting, um, either taking the plotting route which I'm a huge advocate for <laughs> or you know panting like Angela does just diving in you know so like when it comes to actually just getting started and finding that balance of I'm a traveler I love to explore but I also have to get this done because bread and butter is important <laughs> you know yeah.
2: how you um, I only do about three bucks a year so I guess it's, it's been so much of a problem for me it does a it does depend. Like When I've been traveling with other people, it's definitely I find more stressful because you, they're not working usually. Right? I've got a friend traveling with me. They're, they're out on holiday for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. So when I, whenever my mum visited me in Europe, that was frustrating as hell. But, and so you and sometimes you've just got to say, look, you're going to have to look after yourself today because i got to go sit down and get this book finished. I've got to pre-order due in a week and I need to finish it. But in general, like for starting a new book, I like to be able to think, like if I'm still coming up with a brand new idea, like I am right now, I tend to have to, I like, like to have a bit of time to think about it. And so doing things, other things actually helps you, you get a bit of time to, you, you go hike a mountain or something, think about it while you're walking, things, what, what, you need, what this new story needs to be different or exciting or something else.
0: That's super awesome. And so for you, when it comes to process and actually like getting the book done, what do you find helps you the most as far as like getting that story to flow? Like once you have that initial idea, oh, this will be cool to either continue it or start a new series. Um, then it's like, okay, let me get this flowing. What is, what are some of the things that you do to like get that story out of your brain and onto pages?
2: So when I'm actually writing, when I'm writing a story, I, I said, I go to a coffee shop. That's actually almost when I rewrote Stormwielder, I found the reason I had it sat there for five years was that I just couldn't find the motivation to really go over it again, edit it, and go through the whole long process of making making it readable. And what I started doing was I went started going to a coffee shop down the road, having a cup of coffee, and sitting there for four hours with my headphones in, listening to music, drinking my coffee, and just knocking out at least a thousand words at the time per day. And that process has sort of stuck with me. It's evolved more. So I still go to a coffee. So I have my coffee. I listen to my music. But so when I'm creating a new story, what I'll do is I'll brainstorm. I've thought about all the different scenes I kind of want in the story. And I know where it ends and when it starts. So I'll brainstorm on a page where all the different scenes and things that I want in the book. And then I go, okay, how do these connect up? and I try and connect them up, and then I start writing down notes in a order of how each character progresses. And eventually, I just then take that to a Word document, I chart up all the chapters, and then I just bullet point each chapter But Some chapters might be just like, these two characters fighting in this chapter, and others might be quite a detailed conversation that I've had in my head with what's gonna happen in this chapter. And I'll go through that, I usually get to like two thirds of the way through the story or something like that, and then Okay, I think I can't write any more of it because I don't entirely know how this characters are going to handle this. Like, don't, I don't quite know how it's going to end exactly or how it's all going to come quite together. I, know, I can see it's almost there and then I just go back and what I usually do is I sprint. I, in my first draft, I just try and write it as fast as possible. It's very rough. It's just got the story and what the characters are doing. and. So with the bullet points, it's kind of plotted, but I also do quite a bit of panting in terms of what's actually happening in each scene and how, and characters sometimes go off on a tangent and things I didn't expect. So I try to combine it, leave myself with enough freedom to evolve my ideas. And that's also why I do the first draft so rough, because sometimes I have to go back and cut entire chapters out because they didn't end up going where I thought they were gonna go. And then after that first draft, I go back and it's almost like a complete rewrite to add in all the setting and character development and the meat of the story kind of thing. And so that can take me just as long as the first draft or even longer sometimes. And then after that, it's just a matter of polishing up the sentences and things after it, and of look at it.
1: Yeah, that sounds similar to my process, except uh, a little bit more structured. <laughs> but um, how, to, how long on average does it take you to write a full novel? And are they like 120,000 words or more? Or do you kind of do a little bit less?
2: Uh, my Books are usually around eighty to 90,000 words. This, the last couple of series anyway. And uh, it usually takes me about three months in total. Yeah, that's mostly because Amazon makes me (laughs) until recently with the pre orders.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're talking about the pre orders, and that's actually really cool. So, do you always do a pre order ahead of time?
2: I've found for me, at least, that's what's worked best for the series. At least, like if I once when I publish a second book, the first book, I'll have the second book on pre order because I with my sci fi series a couple years ago. It was actually five books originally. It wasn't meant to be. It was gonna be three or four, but it ended up being five. And I think I wrote the first three books and I did a pre-order for each one until the fourth one. And then I didn't set up a pre-order because I didn't have the cover or I was trying to get people to subscribe to my newsletter, I don't know. But the momentum for the series just completely died after that. So I found that after that, I was stuck writing a fifth book that was never really profitable. So I didn't really, after that, I've like always tried to, like, even if I don't have the cover, I'll set up the pre-order to try and convert those people. I'll have, I'll have like a rough cover for the mean, for the meantime until to, to like I get the real one.
1: Oh, wow. That's actually really smart and really cool that you do the pre-orders for that. And that really helps with the momentum for that. So now that the kind of the rules around pre-ordering have changed, instead of three months, we have up to a year now. Will you go ahead and kind of map out an entire series and make that the entire thing available for pre-order or will you kind of do it, hmm. you know, one at a time?
2: I'll probably still just do four months out, but I'll probably just change it to four months out, <laughs> give myself a little bit more time. I mean, quite often I'll do the three months, so I'd put it to the maximum amount and then I'll wind it in a couple of weeks, depending on how how, uh, how on track I'm going with the book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I really like that you use pre-orders kind of as your deadline, because I've heard a lot of writers talk about how they really struggle sometimes when it comes to finishing a novel because we're, we're self-published, like the timelines are our own. And so if I say, Hey, I'm going to finish this next month. And then I actually don't, it's okay. And no one's gonna run after me and try to make me do it. And so I like that because If you put it up for pre-order, then people, they're buying it, they're expecting it, they're waiting and you don't wanna disappoint them. So that's actually a really smart marketing tactic that that you have there.
2: Yeah, and it gives people a bit more um, assurance that the series or the next book is coming rather than buying this book that may or may not ever go anywhere, which I think at this stage you've got enough books probably they don't, hopefully not as worried about that. (laughs) But yeah, you never know.
1: Yeah, yeah, as a big reader, I actually don't really like reading books in a series, but every now and then I will find a series that I absolutely love and I will want to read the entire thing in one sitting. And I totally get it when people are like, when's the next book coming out? I'm like, oh yeah, I do the same thing as a reader, but I'm a pretty good reader anyway. Um, And do you find that, do you have like some of the influences from reading that inspire your writing?
2: Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of my favorite authors from my childhood have probably, like David Eddings, certainly my first series. They go off on a quest to save the world, and there's a magical item, and the, the, the chosen one kind of thing. That at least inspired the, stu- the first two chapters, and I'm like twisted around because so I'm a cruel person. But, but so, yeah, and, and other writers like David Gemmel, I love his characters and his heroic characters and philosophy that he brings into his books. So I, I find they enjoy doing that with some of my characters as well. And Ian Irvine, he's an Australian author. This is a very good history of, his His worlds are incredible. Like his, he spent, thank you for choosing him. Okay, just had a pop-up. <laughs> um, yeah, he spent like uh, 30, 20, 30 years while he was a marine scientist developing this world and he made a map the size of his door of just all the detailed parts of his world and a, thousand, a couple of thousand years of history and things it's quite an incredible quite an incredible series but so i don't go that far but I, I like to think about all those little sort of things and think what would the enderline do
0: yeah we're cool. And I would want to know as far as like audience wise, cause we were talking about, you know, our audience. Um, what do you find is the best way to like connect with them? Right. You know, just keeping them engaged, keeping them primed, like I'm waiting for the next one. You know um, what do you find establishes that reader loyalty for you and your brand?
2: Uh, could you tell me? I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't that one out myself either. I try and use Facebook and Instagram. I have a weekly newsletter I send out, and I, I feel I connect with readers a bit on that. I've never gotten to the point where I've had readers debating and discussing, discussing my books on my Facebook or anything like that, unfortunately, which I'd love because I'd love to talk about, I like I'd love to talk about with, my, with people about my books, but I never get to because not many people I know have personally read them. <laughs> but other than, um, yeah, I think my newsletter is probably the best way I get my readers engaged. And, coming back from all.
0: And speaking of newsletters, do you find that it's um, something essential? You know, because I know like we, um, we at Indie Author Lifestyle, we like to talk about just the different building blocks of being a successful indie author. And list building is one of those, right? And so, but not everybody feels the way about list building. You know, some people feel like they can get rid of it altogether. And if they just have like a community, then they're fine. Um, some people feel that they don't need social media at all, as long as if they have a list, they're perfectly fine. So, where do you find yourself in that spectrum as far as like list building or just um, a platform to have access to your reader?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly everyone's got their own methods. I mean, you can build a community on Facebook or various other social media devices these days, and I think that's great. Like I was saying, some authors find they very good at being able to get more engagement with their audience, but certainly I think that makes a more loyal audience because they feel like they're connecting with each other and having a this shared experience. And there's certainly something a newsletter lacks because it's a personal experience but not a shared experience between everyone because obviously you're not telling every, a 1,000 other people that each other's email addresses are. But I do think at the very least for most offers, it's an important thing because, at, at the very least, so you can swap bubble offers. Like, I've f- found that's been probably the best marketing technique of the last few years is well, the cheapest, certainly, is swapping newsletter promotions with other offers and having other people highlight your new releases and highlighting other people's new releases in your own newsletters. I try not to wow well my readers with that sort of thing, but I do have like a weekly recommended section. and my newsletter that people can check out what other indie offers are doing in that that week
1: yeah that makes sense and i do the same sort of thing with marketing Um, i remember when i was in college and this number has probably changed since then but they kept talking about how with marketing one of the things that a lot of companies do is they have these commercials or they take out advertisements and they continue to show it to the same people over and over again. And that method of retargeting or just showing the same thing over and over again to the same people is just a way of warming them up because they say it takes up to seven touches and I think the new number might be nine now just because of how much content people consume or how much content all the time. But it takes that many touches in order to have someone actually purchase something. So that's one of the reasons why I also really like the newsletter swaps, because I kind of assume, um, like, we both, we all write fantasy, and there's probably overlap on our different audiences, and so if someone's seeing I'm going to recommend this book, and Stephanie's going to recommend this book, and then you're going to recommend this book, then we're all recommending the same thing, and after a little while, that kind of wears down their resistance, and they're like, oh, <laughs> I might actually I'm going to check this out or at least get a sample and then that's where we hook them so and I know there's a lot of frustration right now and at the time of this recording it's late 2019 um, but I know there's a lot of frustration with the some in the indie community just with some of the the marketing and kind of trying to figure out where things are going and what the outlook is for 2020 uh, but I think having those touches and that engagement and having that shared experience is something that doesn't go away. And so it's still really important to make sure you're doing those different things. So, yeah, I really agree with your, your points there. Really good stuff. Yeah. It'd be
2: great if someone could figure out what's gonna, what the next marketing thing is because Amazon ads are on the way. <laughs> They're getting so a bit too expensive nowadays, all the pay-per-click ads I'm finding. Um, yeah, I
1: mean. absolutely. I've been seeing the same thing where it's just a, a lot harder to get that visibility can get seen and you alluded to it earlier talking about the matrix that market saturation and other there just so many more indies publishing because it is it is easy to get your book out there. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. But kind of moving forward, what are your kind of your goals? What is your outlook for twenty twenty?
2: Um I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> keep writing my books and hope I write things that people enjoy enough that they'll Read some of my other books, and probably less pay per click ads except for our new releases. I'm I'm trying to take some series wide. Like I've got a sci-fi series that, put my that, that used to be five books now it's three, and um, that's got a book bub in about a week, so I'm hoping that help, And it's wide, so I'm hoping that helps pick up some audience on the other channels and trying to move away from Amazon in terms of extending my audience several places so we'll see how that goes and uh, Christmas is coming up so I'll probably do a little box set of my started series starters for Christmas and New Year's.
1: Yeah yeah that sounds great and uh, it's really really smart with the way you're diversifying the series and kind of not just having it exclusively on Amazon but also taking it wide and for our listeners who don't know what that means, that means publishing on all the different platforms that are out there. Um, like there's Kobo, there's iBooks and Barnes and Nobles and a few others as well. So getting the books, eBooks available on all those platforms. And then do you do much with audiobooks?
2: Uh Yeah, I've got all my, just I don't know my sci-fi and audio. I've got the first book that they narrated and haven't done the others. But. All well, my fantasy is on audio and I found the box set audios have done very well. I've just released the second box set, my second box set audio, and I'm trying to keep that going I'm using some Facebook ads and stuff on it and we'll see how that goes. It's not doing as well as my first one, so I'm hoping it'll pick up a little bit. And uh, and my narrator is doing the later season is season the my books from this year as well now. So We've just finished the first one, and he's going to do the second one. I think in January or something. I, I I do. I have a guy that does royalty share. He's actually done all my fantasy audiobooks since right since the start. I got him. He's quite a good narrator. Who I got through a um, that first book was just magic. It, it got offered a Amazon uh, Audible scholarship kind of thing. I don't know if they still do them anymore, but. Basically, they, I had to do royalty share and then Amazon paid whatever narrator I selected, $1,000 as well as the royalty share. So that's how I got this guy involved in the project. And then he's continued doing it when he's got spare time around his upper audiobooks ever since. Wow,
1: that's really cool.
0: <laughs> and then yeah. um, as far as, you know, going back to the lifestyle, right, of your um, indie author life. so. Where do you see yourself going um, maybe in 2020? I you said you've been in Buenos Aires, you know, you've planted yourself for a little bit, but where do you see yourself going in
2: 2020? That is a good question. I'm going to definitely, certainly going to see some more of Argentina before I decide to leave. I've got a visa here until like end of April. Uh, so I'd like to go see some of the South of Patagonia, the mountains, the oceans, the forests, and things down there. Because I've I've been there before, but only very quickly, and I had to get to the beach. Kiwis can't live away from the beach for more than like six months, and it's like six months, and so they're crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice and okay. So if if an indie author in our community disclaimer this is not a thing this is just, just hypothetical. <laughs> so if we if Angela and I were to choose someone um, from our community for an all expenses paid trip. To one of your um, one of the places you found that was your absolute favorite, where would they be headed and why?
2: Oof. Just because it's probably a bit. I've got two favorite countries, but I'll go with this one. I would pick Guatemala if you're talking a country that you really want to explore, especially for an author. Mm-hmm. A large range of terrains. I could pick New Zealand as well, but it's too mm-hmm. obvious. But yeah, Guatemala, they've got some amazing history there with the Mayans. There's ancient temples and ruins that you can see in the middle of the jungle. So they've got pyramids in the middle of the jungle where you get to the top of them, and all you can see from all, all around is just jungle in all directions. They've got some beautiful beaches on the Pacific coast and uh, nice, and a little bit on the Caribbean as well. They've got... Volcanoes. In fact, you can hike up a volcano and camp overnight. It's called Volcán Acatenango, and camping you camp there overnight. And then straight across from you is another volcano called Volcán Fuego, that erupts about every 20 minutes. So you can actually see lava. Look, during the day, it just looks like smoke coming out. Once it gets dark, it's bright red lava coming out of the top of it. It's absolutely incredible. And then there's the lakes and the cities. The, beautiful place lots of different and very varied landscapes and interesting people as well
0: that sounds absolutely amazing um maybe i should vote for myself to be able to
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's certainly an underrated country it's the tourism there is industry is really picking up they've got a great backpacker um network of really cool hostels and things around the country a lot of them you don't even aren't even advertised that much online you have to Go to that you have to know about them to know to know that they're there almost but you get there's so much word of mouth there between the top between the backpackers that they uh can get away with that and like there's one in a little town called Flores and it's on the island in the middle of the lake it's actually where you go where you stay when you go to the temples and oh, i can't remember the hostel now but it's not on booking.com or hostel world or anything like that but it's The only place backpackers stay on that in that town, because the towns on either side of it that you go to it from, everyone in the backpackers will tell you about those places. That place is like you got to stay there.
1: That's amazing, and it sounds like such a rich life that you have. Just being able to travel and then write, and just all those amazing experiences that you have. That I'm sure that adds to your writing and also with your character development because you aren't staying stagnant at all. Um, and it sounds like you have a great structure down for your writing process, and you're a successful indie author, and it's really cool to hear your story. And so, before we leave, I'd love to know is there anything else you want to share with our listeners, or anything that we forgot to bring up that you would like to mention?
2: Um, I think my number one advice for any aspiring authors out there is always finish your book. <laughs> Don't worry about all the rest, all the other stuff is something that you'll learn with time, but the main thing if you want to be an author is, and the hardest thing I struggled with, I mean, I told you about how I wrote this book in high school and didn't publish it until 10 years later. So the first thing to do is finish that book that you have been had that idea on that you want to write.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And so we'll include links to your website and some of the, the things that you mentioned during the show and the show notes. And that will be indieauthorlifestyle.com forward slash 007. And Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show. And we're so glad to have you.
2: Yeah, thanks guys.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for coming on.
2: The
1: journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms doesn't have to be lonely or hard. We have an awesome community where we chat daily, write together, and motivate each other. To be part of this vibrant community of indie authors living their best bookish life on their own terms, go to indieauthorlifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more information. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear more from you. Leaving a rating or review helps us to create more great content like this. Be sure to rate this episode and subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. See you inside the community.